you yourself are not going to be able to experience it. And so that's how, this is how it's going to roll. It's going to be a tough deal for Moses. We'll get to that. Okay, so in the meantime, what I'm going to share is some different, uh, if you have your, your handout or study guide there, um, you can look at it as the, the technical difficulties are rolling through here. So I'm going to share some highlights from Deuteronomy and what happens uh, for, uh, or the things that Moses shares here with Israel. Thanks. Yep. All right, very good. You notice what he says right there at the end of those verses there, Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 9? Teach uh, your children and their children after them. This is important. Let your kids know all the good things that God has done and is doing. Okay, can you guys hear better now? 
I can hear better now. Okay, very good. Let's continue on. All right, next, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And this is right after he has shared that there's, don't, don't go back to this idolatry stuff. He says, when you came and you experienced God on Mount Sinai, there was no image of God that you saw. Okay, so don't make an image of him out of gold or silver or whatever. Don't do that. Just know that you can't do that. You can't make an image of God. Just know that he is there. And this is what he says, acknowledge and take heart to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. So God's plan, thank you. So God's plan in all this, as he says, my plan is for you to live in this land for a long time. So acknowledge me, there's no other God out there. Uh, but remember, remember, teach your children this stuff. Don't neglect your children. They need to know about me. They need to understand this. Very, very important. He continues on in chapter 6. And again, these are some highlights from Deuteronomy here. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Boy, um, do you remember when Jesus is approached and asked, what is the greatest commandment? you remember what he says? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second is love your neighbors yourself. Remember a few weeks ago when we talked about giving the law in Leviticus, he says, love your neighbors yourself. This is where he gets the first part of that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is where it comes from that Jesus repeats. Because Moses is telling the Israelites as they're on the edge of Canaan there, this is it. God is one. There's no other. And love him with all, everything you've got. This is to be on your heart. Okay, so in the Old Testament, don't, don't misunderstand that what God is sharing here was just a set of laws that, that they were check marks. That wasn't the case at all. This was something that was supposed to be on their heart, something they were supposed to love. And he says, I want you, again, you see, third time here, and it comes up many, many more times in Deuteronomy. Talk to these things with your kids. When you're walking, when you're in your home, just write them in places so that people can see the laws of God, so that they can know them. Because there wasn't a printing press. They didn't have Bibles. They couldn't go down to their local bookstore in Jerusalem and buy a Bible. It didn't work that way. So they repeated these. They, they wrote them in their houses. They, they carried around pieces of Scripture with them so they could remember that. And God says, do this, and really good stuff's going to happen to you. But you can't forget me, okay? You've got to remember all this, all my laws that I've, I've given you here before you go into the promised land. He continues on. He says, don't intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me and to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples in the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. So a couple things here that he shares. He says, okay, don't send your daughters or sons off to marry these other people that worship these gods because it's not going to go well. 
it's going to be a heartache. And what's going to happen is there's all this temptation for them to, to worship these idols and go back to them. Don't do that, okay? Hold fast. Stand your ground on that. And not only that, but treat these things that are in Canaan, these idols, as something that is detestable. Don't just say, oh, that's beautiful. Let's keep that around. That's amazing. Get rid of it because it's going to lead you into, uh, to worship them, into bad places. Uh, Moses, Moses is laying it out here. Okay, Here it is. Here's what you need to know, people. Very important. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Then, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And here we see the heart of God. And the Israelites are going to go back and are going to be able to remember this year after year. When they go and chase after idols, what happens is this concept comes up. God is disciplining you, not because he hates you, but because he loves you as children. And he doesn't want you to get into that that disastrous idolatry that, that you came out of, but he wants you to be this holy people that is separate, that's not like the other nations around and so be careful. Consider this. This is very important, okay? God is a God up there that loves you, that he's going to, uh, he, he's just disciplining you, okay? Sometimes that hurts and sometimes it's hard, but it's important, okay? Israelites had to learn when tough times came to look to God for deliverance. The same is true for us. God disciplines us sometimes. Really difficult stuff happens that God can use to help, help transform us, to come back into, uh, to run back towards him instead of run away from him. Here's another. Deuteronomy chapter 9 says, After the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourselves, and it's talking about the people that were there in Canaan, as we've talked about, human sacrifices, really, really evil stuff that was happening there. And God drove them out and, and placed the Israelites there. He says, Do not say to yourself, The Lord has brought me here to, the, to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. You know, we have this land because we were so good. We were amazing, and these people before us were terrible. And because we were so amazing, we got to take over this land. He says, don't think that. <laughs> That's not how it works. No, it is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you're going to take possession of the land. But on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when we think about what has happened in the last 40 years, do we see a lot of, of great spiritual dynamics happening among the people of Israel? No, we see complaining and grumbling and lack of faith and all that sort of thing. And so God's reminding them. Now remember, all these blessings that you have is not because you're so good, it's because the others were so bad in front of you. My grace and mercy has brought you into this case. Maybe we should remember that as a people. The blessings that we have is not because we're so good, but because God has blessed us deeply and greatly. As a church, as a nation, all of the above. And this is, I think, one of the saddest things that happens um, in Deuteronomy. And we'll talk about the death of Moses because he passes away. And I think this is the saddest part of it. Shortly before Moses goes up on the mountain to meet God, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are going to rest with your ancestors, and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them. 
Can you imagine Moses as he is remembering way back to being uh, in Pharaoh's household and the things that he learned there that helped him be the leader that he needed to be and the 40 years that he spent being a shepherd that taught him a whole lot about being a leader that he needed to be. And when God appeared to him in the burning bush and said, Moses, let's go get my people out. And Moses said, oh, God, just choose somebody else, please. He gives all those excuses. And then all these years that he has been leading the Israelites, and he has been working hard, he has, he has prayed for them, he has led with courage, he's led with character, he's led with compassion. And all of that, God tells him right before he dies, he says, Moses, you're going to go and be gathered to your people. You're going to be with your ancestors. You're going to pass away. But just know this, that people are going to go into the land and they're going to go right back to all this idolatry and they're going to break this covenant I've made with them. And you can imagine the pit in Moses' stomach saying, boy, ah, here we go. But I believe God wouldn't have wanted Moses to feel guilty, like he didn't do enough, anything like that. It's just the sinful nature runs deep inside of us if we don't take very seriously the message of God and we don't remember it. And so Moses, what happens is he, in Exodus chapter 34, it says that he goes up onto the mountain and he uh, is able to look over into the promised land. He can't go over. He can't experience it except to see it. And I asked the adult class this morning, I said, hey, how do you feel about that? How, do, you, do you feel bad for Moses? How many do you feel bad for Moses that he didn't get to go into the promised land? So let's see, let's see your hands. Do you feel bad for Moses? You know, he makes one mistake and he can't go into the promised land. Come on. Can't we, can't we show a little grace and mercy here? You know, there's part of me in my natural self wrestles with that. And I think, man, if he could have just gone in there. But I have to step back and I have to think about it a little bit. Because I think those are my human eyes and my human heart that feels bad for Moses at that point in time. Because God had to show something, and as he does, he teaches us very, very important things, right? That we, man, if we... Uh, um, if Moses would not have been given consequences because of standing, standing up there in front of the people and what happened, if you remember from last week, is God said the people are grumbling and they're upset because they don't have enough water. And God says, go out there, Moses, take the staff and, and speak to the rock. And Moses goes out there and says, you people are crazy. And he hits the rock and water comes out. God says, Mm-mm, you dishonored me in front of everybody else. Not how this works. Not okay. So I remember seeing this picture as a little kid, and I remember it impacted me, and I found it again. As it says, there's the death of Moses. He's sitting there up on this mountain. He's looking over into this beautiful place. And there's a scripture there, and it's a scripture from Psalm 116 that says, Precious is the sight of, in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. And Moses, yeah... Boy, he would have loved to have seen the promised land. In fact, he asked God that, and he debates with God. Come on, God, let me go. No, I don't want to hear about this from you ever again, Moses. Don't talk about this again. And Moses, maybe things didn't turn out exactly like he wanted or exactly like he dreamed, and this isn't a, a Hollywood ending to the story. But Moses finishes the last moments he has on this earth in the presence of God. And I understand from Scripture there that God buries him. The Israelites look for him. They try to find where his tomb is at. 
They never find it. God spends those last moments with Moses. I wonder what they talked about. I wonder what they shared. But we often say that Moses was not able to enter the promised land. And I believe that's, even though that's the the wording the scripture uses, maybe that's not the whole picture. When we fast forward to um, Matthew chapter 17, and Jesus is there, you have a few of Jesus' disciples that are there on this mountain. And Jesus is transfigured so much that they can't even look at him. He's so bright. They see Jesus as God there, not as human, but as God. And, and the God part of Jesus is just shining. And there's two people up there on the mountain with him. Do you remember who they are? Elijah and Moses. So let me ask this question again. Did Moses make it to the promised land? (laughs) Absolutely he did. Do you think Moses, as he's up there... Gary, tell me, knock it off. Knock it off. Okay, there we go. We're all right. So do you think that Moses, as he's up there, talking with the Son of God face to face, do you think he cared that he didn't get to go into the physical promised land that God had promised the Israelites? Do you think he cared at that point in time? (laughs) No. He doesn't care. But this is a huge lesson for us, is that we can be people that give our best to God. And we make mistakes, and there are consequences for those mistakes. And maybe your life doesn't feel like it's turning out to be the Hollywood ending that you want it to be, and things just aren't going as they're supposed to be. And man, that's frustrating, and all all of that. But guess what? If we are living, if you are living in the presence of God then it's all right. Do you get me? Do you get what Moses is saying here? Maybe things haven't turned out with your family like you anticipate. Maybe you've had some heartache. Maybe there's some medical issues that are just killing you at this point in time, literally. Maybe, oh, there's any number of things. And you're thinking, man, God, why me? I encourage you to think on the life of Moses. A guy who is held up as this great, amazing person of faith, throughout his life, was not able to accomplish, or was not able to do the most thing, the thing that he most wanted to do in this life, walk into the promised land, but he got to spend his moments with God. And that was enough. And maybe that's a, a great message for us, is we, um, we have, boy, we could, we could give some halftime discussion now, couldn't we, in our world? In the next years... There's going to be a lot of evil. There's idolatry in our world. There's going to be immorality. There's going to be all sorts of things and stuff that we can bow down to, that we can distract, that will distract us from putting God first. There's some that worship God now that will decide that they will not. But it does not have to be you and me, and it does not have to be us as a church. No matter what anybody else does, we can say, I will follow God no matter if I can't, if God doesn't do things exactly like I want or I can't enter the promised land, I'm going to live in the presence of God no matter what anybody else does. I'm going to learn his ways. You see how important it is to teach our families about God? That keeps coming up over and over again in Deuteronomy. But I'm going to prepare my life. I'm going to prioritize so that God is number one. I'm going to embrace the times of testing when it's difficult, when people... Um, 
whatever those testings may be, I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to stay humble and realize that I have this relationship with God, not because of the great things that I do, but because of the grace of God. And I will walk in the presence of God. Each one of us can do that, can't we? As varied and different as we are, we can walk in the presence of God every day. We're going to see what happens when we walk in the presence of God next week as the Israelites start to go into the promised land. There's some really amazing stuff that starts to to happen. I hope uh, each of you has a, have a blessed week. I hope the words from Deuteronomy this week touch your heart and you, re, you remember and are reconvicted that all the rest of the stuff that happens in life, that's, all that's details, but walking in the presence of God is what matters. If you'd like to become a Christian today, you're welcome to head to the back and uh, the elders are back there and they'll pray with you and uh, we'll go in to uh, participate in the Lord's Supper after we sing together. Let's stand up together.